This show is about your mental health. While it's supported by the pillars of positivity and hope, if you find yourself in crisis, please reach out for help. In many communities in both the United States and Canada, you can dial 211 to be connected to mental health and crisis services in your region. While it may seem like it at times, you are not alone. I'm Kevin Frankish. Welcome. A lot has been said, and rightly so, about heroes of the pandemic. The doctors, the nurses, paramedics, firefighters, police. But not a lot is said about the other heroes. Those who keep our economy rolling. The workers. The employees. Well, they are feeling the effects of the pandemic and the lockdown and the isolation through their mental health. It is deteriorating to a point we have not seen ever. Morneau Chappelle is an HR services company, one of the largest of its kind in the world. They do a monthly mental health index. Nigel Branker is the president of Health Productivity Solutions at Morneau Chappelle and talks to me about the state the workers are in. Your job, your mental health, right now on The Happy Molecule. Hello, Nigel. Hi, Kevin. Great to see you again. Good to see you again. So, Morneau Chappelle, uh, essentially, they, they provide HR services. That's correct. We're, uh, we're, we, we provide technology-enabled HR services uh, globally. So you're perfectly situated then to sort of get an overview of what the mental health is of the average Canadian worker. Uh, absolutely. We're the leading provider of mental health and well-being services in Canada. And uh, in fact, last year, we launched a mental health index in, uh, in Canada, the U.S., Australia, and the U.K. Every month you do a mental health index. Uh, you're about to release your latest numbers. Uh, so we might get a sneak peek at that, but let's talk about where we are, how we arrived here. Essentially, what is the mood of a Canadian employee? And how does it compare, because you also, you do this worldwide, how does it compare with other nations? Perfect. So the mood of the Canadian employee, I, I would say, in the last 12 months since COVID, and, and maybe to back up on the index itself, we have released the results in the last uh, 12 months, uh, really to give voice to what people are experiencing. Um, but we've been tracking data for over, th over three years, so going back to 2017. So in Canada, 80% of employees, 80% of people have experienced a, a deterioration in their mental health and well-being. Um, if we categorize looking at the highest risk category before the pandemic, we would have said maybe uh, one in seven employees were in our highest risk category. And today we would say it's more like one in three. Uh, so a lot more people are in the highest risk ca category and seeing a, a deterioration in their mental health and well-being. Uh, in terms of comparing to, we do this study in four countries, as I mentioned, so Canada, the US, uh, the UK and Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the themes are the same. Um, Canada's slightly higher in terms of the deterioration. In Australia, for example, we might see 75% of people have seen a deterioration. Uh, Canadians are more concerned about their colleagues and each other. About four in 10 Canadians are worried about their colleagues struggling with mental health. In other jurisdictions, it may be closer to three in 10. But a number of the trends are exactly the same. So the people that are struggling more are um, uh, people in isolation, um, 
anyone who's seen their earnings uh, go down or their hours reduced, uh, families with young children, frontline healthcare workers, those are the same across jurisdictions. We should do a, you know, kind of maybe a bit of a sales job for HR departments because quite often they are considered, uh-oh, here comes HR, you know, but they are responsible for the mental health and well-being of workers. Absolutely. And, and to be fair to a lot of our, our um, clients in HR, if you look back on 2020, so, you know, what I've, what we've said and what our data says is that people are really struggling from burnout, higher, um, higher incidences in our EAP of, uh, of reporting suicidal, suicidal ideation, for example. So all of this has happened in 2020. However, to be fair to most businesses in HR, 2020 was about um, focusing on the physical safety of your people, um, changing your business model. Like there was a lot that happened last year. And, and while we were dealing with all of this, you know, quietly, uh, people were just being bombarded with a number of stressors, right? So in addition to the normal life stressors of relationship and work, and it's the anniversary of my sibling's death, on top of that, we added a ton of stressors. We added working remotely, uh, elder care, isolation, um, not knowing about COVID, not knowing when you're going to go back to work. If we, the human brain doesn't like change. So we added all those stressors. And finally, as a bonus, we took away good coping mechanisms. So you're not going to the gym, you're not meeting with your friends, you're not going on a vacation. And that combination of more stressors plus less support is really what's dealing with, uh, leading to more people struggling or coping in bad ways, uh, such as uh, drug and substance abuse or, or domestic violence. So I couldn't agree with you more. I think HR has a critical role to play in, uh, in working with their organizations and working to, to, to provide support to people at a time where they, you know, they've ne never needed it more. I'm gonna put the index on pause for just a moment because something came to my mind in what you were saying, and that is not knowing when you're going to go back to work. What do you think, and I don't know if you can tell from the index, are we, how ready are we to go back to work? And do you think there's going to be any other challenges that, that are gonna be presented by us? You know, it, it's similar to a prisoner being released, you know, are they ready psychologically to be released? Are we ready psychologically to go back to the office? Yeah, that's a, that's a complex question, um, but I, I'd love to unpack it. So what I would say is, uh, you know, I think we can see, you know, light at the end of the horizon in terms of getting back to work. Um, you know, it might be six months with the vaccine, et cetera. So that's positive. It would be a, a restoration of, of some, you know, previous normalcy. But in terms of readiness, here, here's what I would say. And I, I do think this is the, um, you know, the tip, tip of the iceberg. Um, it, the strain that we've been under for the last 10 plus months has taken a toll. And what we've learned from other traumatic events is when there's that type of sustained toll, it doesn't turn around automatically. So, you know, if, if I'm an employer, if I'm an HR, you know, I think what I would worry about is when we return to work, I probably have a workforce that is, you know, running on a quarter tank, you know, to use a, a, a gas tank analogy. So, yeah, I think, and we see it now, I think people are, so I, I would, I, I think people are struggling and I don't, I wouldn't say a return to office or return to work will, will make this go away. I think we're in for a long haul and a number of uh, professionals in this space will talk about, you know, sort of a second pandemic around mental health. Okay, let's get back to the index. So since 
March of last year. I think I think maybe we can peg that as the as the, the real starting point when we, we had March break and we we started to really see shutdowns and lockdowns and and isolations. What is the index telling us about deterioration in mental health? Have have we seen it dwindle or did we see it sort of go down and then and then plateau? Yeah, it, it went uh, it went down quite a bit initially. Um, then it uh, started to improve, and uh, um, and since then it's continued to deteriorate. So you know, and you can understand that if you think about when we first started. You know, last March in COVID, we didn't know what to expect. We were probably all overwhelmed, and then you know, individual heroic sort of kicks in, and you said, "I got this. Okay, no problem. I can adapt." And and we were you know, we we're feeling good, and then it really set in that. We're nowhere close to, to returning to normal, and and that's what we've and that's what the index has borne out as well. Um, it's also validated some interesting insights that we all talk about. You know, when I talk about having stressors, certainly financial stress is a big one. So we see uh, almost a twenty point difference in in the deterioration for people who uh, who don't have a savings account or, or who didn't who didn't have uh, uh, three months of savings. It just means that it, it it's another stress at a time when you're worried about. Um, reduced hours or less hours or reduced income. So that was an interesting statistic on just the linkage between, you know, sort of financial well-being and overall mental health, for example. Now, here we are, we're, uh, we're you know, we're midway through February. Uh, we, we've gone through the, the January blues. February is not usually much better, sadly. Um, what, what can we expect do you think with, with the upcoming release of, of the latest report for January, what can we expect? Yeah, I think in the latest report for January, I think you can expect a continued deterioration on the index. Um, um, it did stabilize, a it didn't plateau, but it did stabilize a little bit around December with people off for the holidays. And to your point, uh, when we see the January numbers, I think we're starting to see um, just an, an acceleration of deterioration. So I don't think it's it's um, it's getting better anytime soon in terms of the average Canadian's mental health and well-being. When you when you say the deterioration continues, uh, it, it, when it, is it going down fast? Is it going down gradually? I mean, how how would you describe this decline? Um, it's it, I would say it's going down gradually, but that's gradually after a really relatively significant decline. So, um, you know, as I talked about, um, co compared to the start of the pandemic, we would have said 13% were in the highest risk category. And now 35% are in the highest risk category. So we expect that to go from 35 to 40. So relatively, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's still a decline, not as precipitous as the interest at the initial decline, but still concerning. Is there anything positive in, in, in the reports? You know, is there anything that, that shows a little bit of promise? Do you think? Well, I think the reports that the data differs by, by sector, by demographic, you know, some groups are doing well, so, um, or are doing better. And uh, I think the sense of community and the concern about each other's well-being um, really comes through. The other part is, you know, when we talk about mental health, uh, one of the biggest barriers is, is is stigma, and this sustained period where more than one in three people are in the highest risk category is actually serving to remove a bit of stigma and making it safer for people to reach out for help and and, and access the help and support that's available. And there is help available. 
Absolutely. Um, I think if there, if if one theme out of 2020 was the deterioration of mental health and well-being, I'd say a secondary theme and the more hopeful was the the rapid innovation and adoption of of, of digital tools of different types of supports. Um, the some of our partners, uh, like the government of Ontario, the government of Manitoba, really stepping up Shoppers Drug Mart to promote and, and provide even more supports available. So I think that is a silver lining that it's it's really forced us all to take a, a long, hard look at mental health and really evolve how we help people and meet them where they are. And there are many, many uh, different programs that are being offered digitally. Here's what I'm going to do for you, Nigel. I'm going to give you a free commercial time here right now. Who knows? I may send you a bill later. But let's talk about Morno Chappelle's mental health digital offering. Great. Well, I, I appreciate the, the, the commercial. Um, so our, our, our product, uh, our solution is called Ability CBT. It's a form of, of digital cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and it is therapist assisted. So what that means is, um, you know, if you went to myicbt.com, you would click on the link, you'd fill out a, a short questionnaire. And the purpose of the questionnaire is just to ensure that this is the right solution for you. If it's not, and you're at risk of harming yourself or others, you know, we're the largest provider of mental health and well-being services. We have 24/7 crisis support. Someone will contact you to to, to provide support immediately. But assuming the program is uh, is appropriate for you. You know, then we uh, connect you with a therapist and, uh, and you start to kind of work on the recovery journey in, in bite-sized pieces. So, you know, mental health, I, I, I think about it a lot like, um, like something like retirement, so saving for retirement. If you said, hey, have a, build a retirement plan, it can feel overwhelming. If you say save $25 a month, okay, that's a little more manageable. And, and that's the approach we take mm -hmm. with our program to um, focus on self-care, understanding your symptoms, um, things that you can do at night on your own, work on your breathing exercises with a coach, a therapist there every step of the way to help you. You can connect with the therapist as much or as little as you'd like. Okay, so, and I'll repeat this a little later on in the, in the show and I'll put it on my blog as well. So it's myicbt.com. So M-Y, the letter I-C-B-T.com, myicbt.com. Now, you're not the only one that offers this. So there are many companies and, and uh, groups that are offering uh, uh, digital therapy as well. So reaching out is important um, and, and removing that stigma. So it's important to know that when you reach out, you know, you're not, try, you know, you're not saying you're, you're, you're weird or abnormal or crazy. You're just, you're just saying you need a bit of support, a bit of help. Yeah, that's correct, Kevin. Um, we've, um, if you look at, at our, our solution, in 2019, we helped 1,000 people. Uh, in 2020, we helped 30,000 people. Oh, yeah. wow. um, and this year, we'll, we'll probably come close to helping 100,000 Canadians. And so what we've learned, to your point on that, is you know, what resonates to, for people to feel safe getting help? And, and we've, you know, we won't use mental health, for example, or therapy, but we, we will say, um, you deserve to feel better. And if you're, if you're not feeling yourself, you know, help is, help is available. So, you know, I, I think we've made progress on stigma, but I still think there's a lot of stigma. And often the worst type of stigma is self-stigma, right? You think that there's something wrong yeah. with you, that you need help. And it's not like, and as, as the data, as the statistics point out, you know, you're actually in the majority if you're not, uh, if you're not uh, doing well or not being, and not feeling yourself. 
What advice are you giving the companies that you're serving uh, for watching out for mental health? So I'd say we're giving a couple bits of advice, certainly in terms of the types of support that's available and uh, promoting accessibility and removing costs and, and barriers, but also um, looking at your people leaders, looking at your managers, you know, training them to write, you don't need to train them to be therapists, obviously, or, or counselors, but as a, as a, as a leader, you know, you, you're the, you can see if someone's starting to be different, starting to behave different, starting to withdraw, starting to miss work. Um, and, and, and I think it's, it's okay to just say, Hey, you know, how, is there anything I can help with? Remind them of the tools that are available. Like just, recognizing that there's a human being that is there to support them is uh, goes in it goes uh, goes a long way so, so those are some of the things we would do we would help train managers we would offer our solutions we would help organizations promote their existing supports for example it's interesting as well because uh you had you had said to me that that Companies that already took mental health, I don't want to say seriously, but already put a priority on mental health prior to COVID, were in a much better position to, to pivot and, and respond. So we're learning more about the need for mental health. So perhaps in the, in the long, long run, this is going to be a, a good for HR and companies and to, to realize just how important good mental health is. Absolutely. And I think we will look back and I'm, I'm hopeful like you that it forces a lot of organizations to um, uh, to rethink support and 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 to rethink, you know, meeting their people where they are. You know, mental health is not one size fits all. Um, different people react differently, whether it's to group group coaching or group support, whether it's digital, um, whether it's doing things on my own time, whether it's their willingness to reach out for help. I mean, this is a complex question. So I think, you know, I think if that, if it this sparks a bit of an evolution in terms of, you know, meeting employees where they are, not uh, recognizing it's not one size fits all, offering a variety of supports, removing barriers, um, I think, I think uh, you know, we'll look back and, uh, positively on that. I've got to think, though, uh, that it, it's more than just the employees. It's the managers and, and you know, especially the small business owners uh, and, and executives. I mean, it, yes, we can say, oh, well, who cares about them? But you know what? They're human beings as well. They go through their own, own mental health issues as well. Have you, have you seen any indication about those, you know, in the upper echelons uh, having unique mental health problems? Yeah, I think um, certainly people in leadership positions, people leaders, managers, uh, business owners are in a high high risk category because, and on top of um, everything they're dealing with as an individual, they tend to feel the responsibility of the people that report to them or that they're responsible for. So that adds to the stress as well. Um, and, and even beyond that, I would say, and there's you know, then there's key roles. I mean, frontline healthcare workers, for example, teachers, you know, what if, uh, and also I think the other thing that has really come, come through is, you know, we talk a lot about the individual, individuals have relationships and they're part of communities. So even if I'm doing okay, but my partner is struggling, um, you know, that has an impact on you as well. So, you know, I think what's, what's really bubbled to the surface is the, the complexity. Um, but as I said, I think the hopeful news is that it's also forced us to really innovate 
on how we support people and how we reach them and, and remove barriers. Yeah, and, and it must be especially tough for, for workers who have been furloughed or, or laid off uh, because there's, there's probably some anger mixed in with there uh, as well. So it, it's, a, it's a double whammy for a company or HR to deal with. I, I think I, I think that's true. I think you go through, um, and again, mental health is, is a little different for everyone, but but certainly if you've um, seen a reduction in income or a reduction in in hours, uh, that has a significant impact. Um, it's a it's another trigger or to, to, that you have to deal with. So we do see a, a much more significant decline in in the mental health and well-being of of employees who've been furloughed, et cetera. Okay, so we, you know, the the latest mental health index, the monthly index, won't be released for a couple of days now. Correct. But you've seen it. What, what can you uh, tell? <laughs> I've seen a sneak peek. What 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 can you what can can you reveal that that we might be looking at? Uh, I, you know, I would say this. I think we're approaching twelve months of data since since the pandemic. And we talked a little bit about the, the pattern. Um, what, what, I would, what I would say that we see in the data now, and there's always slight, um, slight changes in, in, in certain metrics or subcategories uh, around depression or isolation, for example. But the overarching theme, I would say, is that we're, you know, we're not out of the woods, and this is here for the foreseeable future. And... That means, of course, that, that these programs are going to have to morph and adapt as, as time goes on. Correct. I think we're going to have to continue to evolve on how we, how we help people. Hey, listen, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of constructs are, are, are based on you know, the idea where m- most people are doing okay, and there's a lot of onus put on the individual to say, hey, you know, the tool's available, reach out and use it. And, and I think what we've learned is that the, the mindset of someone who is not 100% is different and the slightest barrier can deter them from reaching out for help. So whether that's a cost barrier, whether that's a stigma barrier, um, whether that's an accessibility and having to wait too long. I mean, those are, those are the things we think about all the time, right? When someone, mm-hmm. when someone you know, connects with a therapist, let's get, them, let's get them an appointment right away. Let's give them some materials right away. Let's, uh, let's uh, start to help them take control. So I think those are, those are the, you know, the, the, again, the silver lining of the evolution we're seeing in the types of solutions and services that are available to support people. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to watch the index coming out in a couple of days, and then let's see what what happens in February and March. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll start seeing better numbers come April, May, June into July, keeping our yeah, hopefully into the summer. And when as we've made progress on on vaccine distributions, and we yeah. you know a lot of what drives this is just uncertainty. So the more the certainty, and the more we start to see plans around you know when we're returning to office, when lockdown is being lifted, or in other provinces mm-hmm. when a curfew is being lifted, I think that'll help as well. And and hopefully as well the the warmer temperatures, which are somewhere ahead, will help lift some spirits as well. Absolutely. All right. Nigel Branker, thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Always a pleasure. So once again, that website is myicbt.com. That's my letter icbt.com. They're not the only ones that offer a mental health program digitally. There are many others. So please reach out for help. Don't carry this burden on your own. You're worth it.
Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out the Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode. Be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Erin Davis, wishing you good mental health. <laughs>